much. Um, I'm Pastor Matt, if you're new here, and um, uh, Elam Mission Church is kind enough to let me hang out with them, and so it's a blessing, and uh, it's a joy to be here. Um, if you have your Bibles, I hope you'll uh, open up to Acts chapter 6, and now uh, we want to look at a couple things today. Corporately, that's why we're all together, and I was excited. I thought, boy, when we get the whole church together, um, it, we can talk about uh, some neat things corporately. And Acts chapter 6 certainly gives us a text in which to uh, evaluate and instruct. And so I'm going to just read the first seven verses, and then we're going to ask God to teach us. Acts chapter 6. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. And the twelve summoned the congregation of disciples and said, It's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. But select from among you, brethren, seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the statement found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose Stephan, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles. And after praying, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you for your presence. And Holy Spirit, we would pray right now that you would incarnate truth, that you would open our hearts personally and corporately. We thank you, God, for the truth of your word. That as we gather, we don't need to depend upon the wisdom of men. We don't need to depend upon the programs. We don't need to depend upon anything but you. We thank you for your word. Please open our hearts to it. Open our eyes to it. So we can not only hear you, but follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I have a, oftentimes when people want to get to know you, you got to confess some things. I mean, you, you just got to lay it on the line. I'm a Bears fan. Pray for me. It'll be a tough year, I think, but I'm always hopeful. I'm a Cubs fan, so I'm hopeful on that end of it. Um, I can't stand nuts or berries. I laid out there before you. Become vulnerable, authentic. It's out there. Uh, there's just some things you, you got to lay out in the open. And some things are fun. Some things are just uh, idiosyncrasies. But then there's some things that are deep convictions. And, and this one has always been a conviction uh, since the day I trusted Jesus, and God's just continued to fuel that fire, and that is I love his church. I love his church. The church of Jesus Christ. And as I've grown and I've studied the scriptures, I realize Jesus has left his church, and no single entity or group is as transforming instrument as the church. God has chosen his people to go into the world and make a difference, to have an impact, to carry out his plan. 
and his purposes. And I'm grateful we don't go out into the world and wonder, boy, I hope I can have an impact. I'm glad we don't go into the world and say, you know what, when I share this message, I, I just hope maybe one person in my whole lifetime will respond. And, or I hope when I go in the world that, that I'm not going to lose the battle. I'm grateful very much that Jesus said the gates of hell will never prevail against his church, which he is building, which you're a part of, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, we began looking at what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ in the, the personal sense, the individual sense. A couple of weeks, we began talking about what does that look like corporately as a church. I believe each church has a corporate identity, so to speak. You can see a corporate heartbeat. Each church, I think, is unique because it's made up of unique individuals. And, uh, but what does God call us to corporately at the Elam Lighthouse? at the Elam Church. And so today with the Elam family together, and if you're new here, we're delighted you're here, and, and I think you'll get a chance maybe to hear uh, the heartbeat of our ministry and uh, what we believe God wants to do in us and through us. And one of the challenges I ask, our elders ask, I think our whole staff asks at times is how do we in the midst of growth continue to serve, continue to minister? How do we in the midst of a growing church and a growing congregation continue to foster that growth and foster the ability to minister to a growing number of people? And as I think of that question, I'm grateful that we have no better model than Scripture. Now, I want to follow because it's significant to understand as we survey this growing church to consider the growth that's taking place. In Acts 5.42, I'm going to read a couple verses from there just so you kind of get an idea of what was going on here, and we'll, we'll kind of follow through. Acts 5.42 says this, And every day in the temple and from house to house they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And so you'd have people who heard about Jesus as Savior, came to faith in him, And they shared how someone can come to know Jesus as Savior. That was their message. I mean, they shared their story, their journey. They shared about the Savior, and it kept taking place over and over. Whether it was in a temple, whether it was in houses, it was taking place everywhere. And how big was this challenge that they began to face? We know from earlier in Acts, there was 120 in the upper room. Acts 2.41 tells us on that day that Peter was preaching, 3,000 people saved were saved and became part of the church. Can you imagine? 3,000 people. And maybe we would be tempted as maybe they were to say, whoa, there's no way we can help everybody here. This is, God, please slow down. We can't handle this growth. There's no models out there for church growth for this type of growth. Well, let's let's keep going. Let's see what happens. Acts chapter 2. Verse 46 through 47 says, Day by day the Lord was growing his church. The church was growing daily. And please note how they were growing. They were sharing the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. They were loving in Jesus' name, serving in Jesus' name, and they were proclaiming Jesus. It wasn't about them. It wasn't by programming. It wasn't by some conference. People were talking about Jesus. They were taking him to the streets alleys. They'd run across someone at the post office. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. 
They run into somebody at the store, wherever they would be. They were naturally sharing the love of the Savior that the Savior had for them. And they didn't have all the technology and equipment we have. They had Jesus. <laughs> and that's what they shared. Christ, the one who transformed their life. And as people were on fire, and that was their message, church grew and grew. Matter of fact, Acts 4.4 tells the number of men grew to 5,000. That's just men. Let's say half were married. Now you got 7,500. Let's say on the average they had 2.2 kids. No, just kidding. Let's say they had two children each. You got 12,500. This is explosive growth. Now that's a challenge. How do you handle that type of growth? Acts 5.14, it's not done. We're probably looking at well over 12,000 because God kept pouring them in. More and more people kept coming to Jesus. People all over the place were on fire. And more people came to Christ. This is serious growth. And if you're one of the apostles, you can't tell me they didn't look around and say, oh my goodness, now what? How do we disciple all these new babes? They're all babies. It's not like elders came into the congregation. It's not like you had all these mature believers come in. They're all babes in Christ. New believers. What do you do? What do you do then? And then Acts chapter 6 comes up. Now at this time, while disciples were increasing in number, it's still growing. Now notice who's leading the church, the apostles. These authoritative leaders who walked with Jesus, and they preached Jesus, and their ministry was marked by the miraculous touch of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Strong leadership, no doubt about it. These apostles had strong leadership, but guess what? Strong leadership doesn't guarantee the absence of problems. In the midst of growth, verse 1 of chapter 6 gives us a hint that all was not well. Now at this time, while disciples were increasing, a complaint arose. Now I look, read those words, I go, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Got a lot of people. You got a lot of growth. They began to encounter some problems, a ripple of dissension. And it's understandable, isn't it? That's a lot of people with a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different backgrounds. And we shouldn't be surprised, unfortunately, because we're sinful people, that we begin to read some of this. And again, I can't help but wonder, Lord, slow down because we're having trouble with this whole thing. And, and God says, well, that would be fine if this is about your agenda, but it's not. It's about my agenda. I'm doing something completely different than you are. I'm bringing people to me. And I'm going to tell you how to handle this. Acts 6 is going to tell us how to handle growth. And so even though there was growth, there were problems. There were challenges. So let's look at a couple. The first issue is the issue of communication. Now, once again, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, and I want to be clear if you're listening by tape or website, which I've actually surprised how many people <laughs> listen to my website. I don't know why. But um, once again, I'm so grateful that as I address the Elam family, I address a family, a church, that's doing well. Are we perfect? No. We're doing well. And that hasn't always been the case in my ministry when I've talked about some of these things. And so I'm so grateful 
that as we talk about these things, that God, by his grace, has Elam in a good place. But let this morning serve as a reminder, maybe a warning, hopefully encouragement and exhortation to keep at it. And the main issue here, first of all, is the issue of communication. We read, a complaint arose, and not only arose, it was against a certain group of people. Now, the leaders aren't called into this until after the issue surfaces, after the issue arose. You might want to think of spread. Now, the concern's justified. It's the expression of the concern that's not healthy by way of complaint. There are other ways to share that. Unfortunately, it came out by way of a complaint. And so the expression is wrong. And isn't that our tendency to blame? <laughs> Things aren't right. We don't kind of go about healthy ways. It's a little more easier to blame, maybe. Um, unfortunately, that's unhealthy. So we have this communication to the leaders. It's by way of complaint. They went to the apostles, and it wasn't healthy. But then you have communication from the leaders to the congregation. And here it's much healthier. Now we're not told how much they told the congregation about the complaint. We don't, we don't read that. I would suspect as leaders you typically don't share that. Um, so we don't know that. We're not given that information. But we are told that the leaders communicated to the congregation about this need. Now at this I need to stop and just say on behalf of the elder board here at Elam, we have a strong desire to communicate well. It's not always easy, but we, we want to try to use as many avenues of communication as we can. And so we're trying hard on that. And maybe one of the motives is this text right here. Uh, the communication from the leaders is really good. And as we read the text, the twelve summoned the congregation of disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Now notice this right away. They kept their priorities, first of all. They didn't overreact, which we're tempted to do at times. And they have a plan. Select from among you, brethren, seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit of wisdom whom we may put in charge of this task. What type of men were chosen? Men they could trust. That's what they wanted. Faithful men, reliable men, because there must be trusted leaders. There, there needed to be people a congregation could have full confidence in. And this was a key issue. Communication was a key issue in getting this arranged and getting this need met. There must be communication from leaders. And this was not a knee-jerk reaction. I don't know how many times that the, there's been a need or something surfaced and, and the ministry said, well, we need to create a ministry for that. Kind of like a knee-jerk reaction. And, and so they'll pour a lot of resources into that. And in so doing, sometimes they neglect the primary, the priority of their call. The priority, I know of my call anyways, uh, is the teaching and preaching of God's truth. And, and for that, I'm passionate about. And uh, these guys knew, in order for this church to continue to grow, remember, it's grown because they preach Jesus. It's grown because they've taught the Word of God. And by the way, that still never changes. That's how churches grow. And so they didn't neglect that. They knew they needed to keep that central, but they also knew this is a very legitimate need. And they were very loving. They were really important people who had a need. And so they kept their communication clear. This is our priority. They restated their priorities. They recognized they couldn't do it all. And with all this growth, with all these new challenges, 
they kept their main thing the main thing. Now, I wonder if some of the apostles, though, had an inkling reaction to say, okay, let's go do it, guys. Um, but they, the Spirit of God kept them wise in keeping their priority the main priority. And I'm, I'm convinced over the years that more people are more apt to accept changes, decisions, when there have been attempts made to communicate. And you know that true in your own home, I'm sure. It takes everyone to keep communication clear and accurate to replace rumors and assumptions. I know in marriage counseling I talk a lot about that. You need to keep, need to be assertive in your communication. If you've met with me, it's going to be a reminder. And, and, and you need to listen. You need to be an active listener. In other words, both parties are responsible for communication, and I think that's true in the church. We're all responsible to communicate well. I've had many people over the years, I, I, well-intended people, I'm sure, Come to me and say, hey, Pastor Matt, I have this concern. And there's others, too. And my first question is, who are these others? And where are they? Apparently they're not too concerned because they're not here. <laughs> and, uh, and, but what they're trying to do is kind of get a little following to validate their complaint. That's unhealthy. That's unhealthy communication. And uh, we need to practice healthy communication. God calls us to that. And as a growing church, let's keep our communication clear and healthy. Avoiding complaints, avoiding accusations, like we see in Acts 6. I want a couple passages I just want to read by way of reminder. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 25. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. He must be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. You could write in the Margin next to you, healthy communication. First Peter 4, 7 through 11. Listen to what he says. The end of all things is near. Therefore be a sound judgment, sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospital to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And get a load of verse 7. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. You see, God is glorified when we communicate in healthy and affirming ways. You see, when a church is growing, they face this issue of communication. They also face another issue, one of neglect. With all the growth in the early church, we shouldn't be surprised that they began to face the issue of neglect. It was a social problem, because it's easy to get lost in the numbers, is it not? There's two groups mentioned. It'd be good to kind of context to understand who they were. The Hellenistic Jews, they were converts who came to Jesus Christ, who were raised in a Greek culture outside Palestine, or the other side of the tracks. <laughs> they had moved to Jerusalem, and they worshiped now in the Jerusalem assembly. Then you had the native Hebrews, Jews from Jerusalem who converted to Christ. They are from the hometown. And what had happened now in the Jerusalem assembly, which, by the way, was good, you had those from the other side of the tracks meeting with those who were from hometown, and they made up part of the assembly. And a lot of them had need, food, 
And you come to Jesus back then, you're ostracized a lot of times, sometimes by your own family, found yourself on your own, needy, needing food. And there were many destitute. And so the church would purchase food, they would distribute it to those in need, and somewhere in this process, it was seen that the widows, the outsiders, the Hellenistic Jews' widows, were being overlooked. I doubt it was intentional. We're not told how that happened, but in the process, that's what happened. They were not getting any, or they were getting very little. The concern is one of neglect. You can, I, I kind of, in my mind, almost hear those who are complaining, saying, what, we're not, too, we're not good enough for you? Just because we're on the other side of the tracks, now we're not going to get any food for our widows? What's this all about? And so you can kind of imagine what those complaints were like. And they might have said, you know what, I'm going to another church. There was one problem. There was no other. There was only one church. They weren't going anywhere else. There was one church, and it was a massive one, but there was only one. And so they had to stay and stick it out. But the concern is one of neglect. Now think about your own family. We have a lot of new babies and uh, I, I'm probably, I probably would hear some amens as I point this out. You had one new child, you got some new issues. <laughs> you got growing numbers, now your, your energy and attention needs to go to multiple different people. It becomes quite a challenge. You have a baby who has great needs, and you might have a five-year-old who has great needs, maybe going to school for the first time, and you have needs all over the place, legitimate needs, very real needs for precious people. But the growing number in your family creates more issues. And sometimes, especially when there's a newborn, you have a younger child who feels neglected. Because this baby all of a sudden is getting all this attention. They're like, what's with this? You know, nine, nine months ago, you know, I was the straw that stirred the drink. Now, now I'm outside looking in. And so there's a sense of neglect. We've all gone through it. And this infant church is experiencing that. They're growing and growing, and there are some who feel neglected. And I would say this to the Elam family here. Some of you, well, you might be newer to the body or might have been here for quite some time, and, and you might be starting to feel left out. For that, I'm sorry. It's no one's intent for that to happen. We're trying really hard. And I hope if you feel that way that you would Communicate in a healthy way. Because it takes communication. It takes intentionality to avoid neglect. So how do we handle neglect? Well, let's look at the text because it tells us how to handle it in a really healthy way. First thing out of the apostles' mouths, once again, is to restate their God-given priorities without apology. The apostles had to be clear again. They could not neglect their calling. They could have gone into the kitchen and distributed it themselves. But they knew they couldn't do both. They were not called to do it all. And so they did not compromise their calling. However, it was a very valid concern. And I'm just reminded again as I read those words that central to the church's ministry was this teaching and preaching of God's word. It, is, it should be to every ministry. And it certainly is to my heart and Elam's. And I appreciate that very much. The leaders looked and realized that there were very capable and gifted people who could attend to this probably even better than they could. Now notice there's an expectation. They don't, they don't look for volunteers. They tell a congregation, you choose. Don't ask them if they're interested. <laughs> Just choose this type of person. 
There was an expectation, if you're a Christian, you serve. I don't know how it's crept into the church in America that you can come to church and sit sour and soak and have nothing to do the rest of the week. That's not biblical Christianity. There's an expectation everybody would serve. They looked at the congregation. They said, hey, we're going to these guys because they match what the apostles are looking for. They pointed them out and brought them to the apostles. It's kind of interesting. The apostles put together the game plan. They looked at the need. They said, you know what? I think if we had seven guys here, this would meet the need. So they laid out the congregation. Here's what we're looking for. We're looking for seven, full of the spirit of wisdom. You, you appoint them. Bring them to us. You know, and we'll, we'll cut them loose. And we'll, we'll kind of appoint them for this ministry. And they did. Congregation made recommendations. After all, apostles didn't know everybody. So we've got to realize what's going on there. The leaders were solidified. And these men, the pattern's healthy. The, these men began to serve. And again, it's a healthy pattern. Needs were brought to leadership. The leaders, in cooperation with the congregation, identified a gifted, godly men to oversee it. The result, the needs were met, and the church grew. The church grew because they handled it in a healthy way. And it took the team. It was a team effort. And the leadership kept their priority. The body went into motion. The need was met, and the church grew. See, when growth comes... The issue of neglect can come up. And challenges will arise, but the body was in motion. And that is why we'll continue to do all we can at Elam by calling every believer to use their gifts. And you and I have every right to expect each other to serve. I'm convinced anytime people get hungry to truly know God, the Holy Spirit quickly puts a broom in their hand and calls them to serve, to share their love to share the word of, word of God. And I believe God's doing that here. There's a third issue. We shouldn't be surprised at this. It's another challenge of a growing church of one of resources. You see, in Acts 6, the widows needed something. Food. And when you had a growing number, you needed more food. Not only that, <laughs> but think about your home again. You have a growing number, you need more food. If you have teenagers... You need a truckload of food. Amen? I mean, it's just a never-ending supply. And uh, it's like Cindy will fill the fridge. Next day, where did it go? It's like they ate the fridge. <laughs> Everything's gone. And, uh, but as numbers grow, the need, the demand grows. In the early church, they had people given property. Why? Because the church was growing. And they needed more resources. And it really becomes a real test of our priorities is how we'll handle our money. Some here, you might be tempted at this point to say, I don't want to hear this anymore. But don't do it. I think because God doesn't let us. He always calls us toward biblical stewardship, which he says includes cheerful giving and the meeting of needs. If you're not in the habit of giving, it could be a dollar here, or it could be a meal here, you're missing the joy of giving. I'm sure if I polled everybody here as a Christian and said, there, when you've given, did you receive great joy? Everybody here would probably say yes. There's great joy in giving. And as the church grew, the needs grew and people gave. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, there's a neat tie-in with 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 50, 15, 58, the context is victory in Jesus. Paul says, therefore, my beloved brethren, in light of the fact that you have victory in Christ, 
in light of the fact you have freedom in Christ, in light of the fact he has set you free. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Abound in ministry. Our ministry should always be abounding. There should be an increasing influence, an increasing impact. And as the ministry increases, as we share the gospel, the numbers increase. And when that happens, it takes increasing resources. God calls us to be good stewards. A couple years ago, we, out of a deep conviction for that, put together Stewardship and Finance Committee, which follows along and evaluates and helps us keep accountable to be good stewards. It's a needed ministry, and I appreciate those who are on that. But after verse 15, 58, we get chapter 16.1, and I don't think this is accidental. Chapter 16.1 says, Now concerning the collection for the saints. See, as the ministry abounded more and more, there was more need for resources, and Paul says, Now concerning this collection that's needed because of the abounding ministry. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Go to work. 1 Corinthians 16.1 says, Now pick up the tab. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, hey, roll up your sleeves. Chapter 16.1 says, now take out your wallet. Because as the ministry grows, the resources increase. There's no place you can give your money and get more out of it than the church. Because you're giving towards that which is God's chosen instrument. And I don't mean just Elam. If you worship at another Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, you commit to that church. And you give to that church to help that church grow. And so when I say church, I mean the church of Jesus Christ. And whatever local church you worship at and serve at, apply that as necessary. In chapter 16 of verse 2, he says, each one of you, in other words, everybody. It's not just a select group that's supposed to give and, and be part of that collection. Everybody was. Everyone was to serve. Everyone was to give. The motivation was for the building up of his kingdom. We saying we lay, we lay everything down. There was a challenge for the early church. Am I going to lay everything down for the good of God's chosen instrument to reach the world? As a growing church requires more resources, ties, offerings become an act of worship and they impact the kingdom of God. And when these challenges, whether it's the one of communication, the one of neglect, or resources are met with determination, focus, growth occurs. It fosters growth. The issue now, though, is how do we corporately apply it at Elam? It's great, you got an Act 6, we got a great model, but how do we take the truths off here and apply it to Elam? Well, for everybody here, young and old, here you go. Application. One, everybody communicate. Appropriately, sensitively, clearly. Let's not complain. If you have questions, please ask. If you have concerns, please share. That's healthy communication. And let's all work hard to keep communication clear. It's a great model on Act 6 we have of that. Everyone serve. Rapid growth does not excuse unmet needs. We can still meet needs and keep priorities intact. It takes all of us, though, 
back to your home. You don't offer your kids and say, hey, you know, it would be so nice if you could take the garbage out. We'd appreciate it. But if you don't feel like it, that's okay. Not in a million years you're laughing. Take that garbage out, and I'm going to tan your backside. That's kind of what we're talking, right? Why? Because you can't be part of this family and coast. You can't be part of this family and neglect your responsibilities because we need everybody in the family. And so everybody pitches in. And that's what this text calls us to. Everybody serve. Use your gifts. That's why we have spiritual gift training, so you can identify them and look how to express them. And so everybody communicate, everybody serve, and three, everybody give. (laughs) Use your resources to reach people. Start to tithe if you haven't. The Bible seems to give 10% as the basement of that. Take advantage of opportunities to minister to others. There's no better investment. There's opportunities that abound to give to people. We'll have opportunities in the coming year for new facility and some of those new ministry endeavors that God would lead us to down the road. So everybody communicate, everybody serve, everybody give. And please, everybody pray. We're not surprised early in Acts we see a lot of prayer taking place. That's why stuff was popping. Because people were praying. You see, for God to use us to witness, disciple, and serve, we need his power to change lives. And united prayer does something. It binds our hearts together under the headship of Christ. Because this is his church. And we pray for his kingdom come and his will be done. We pray for his power to be unleashed to transform lives. We pray that he'd have his way and then we get out of the way. But we need to pray. You see, you and I can be the church God desires. Even amidst growth, amid all the challenges, amid all the changes, God wants Elam to grow. Cause us to continue to impact lives, marriages, communities, our schools. He longs for a church corporately, surrendered to his lordship, to his word, and to his purposes. Elam, let's be that church. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you and praise you that you, by the death and resurrection of your Son, have made it possible for us to be called your children. And Lord, we're thankful that you have lavished upon us your love. You've overwhelmed us with your mercy. Oh God, we bow in humility and gratefulness. And if that's not enough, which it certainly is, you've graced us by calling us to be a part of something far greater than ourselves your bride your church. A church, God, we long to be pleasing to you. A local expression of what you want to do in this world. And Lord, we recognize as we grow that issues arise. Acts 6 certainly tells us that. So does our experience. 
And Lord, we also learn from experience that's not always easy. To communicate's not always easy to make sure everybody is served. Lord, it's not always easy to make sure that the ministry is resourced. But God, we recognize that that is needed. And so we turn to you, Holy Spirit. Each and every heart here. Each and every mind here would grab a hold of our role. Personally. And we carry that out corporately, God. As a corporate expression of your love to our community. That the world would know that Cocado, Dassel, Howard Lake, Winstead, all the surrounding communities would know, Jesus, that you're alive and you're well and you're working as they look at your people. So to you be the glory, Jesus. To you be the honor by all that takes place in and through Elam. In Jesus' name I pray. All God's people said, Amen.